The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Geeks, and welcome to a bonus episode of Wizards, the podcast guide to comics that's packed to the rafters with justice. That's right, the time has finally come for us to discuss the Snyder Cut of Justice League, because you demanded it. The VFX team that digitally removed Henry Cavill's mustache will be here for a public shaming. We're going to talk to John Schneider, aka Bo Duke, you know, from Dukes of Hazard, who has his own cut of the film where Batman drives the iconic orange muscle car, the General Lee. And, uh, what's that look you're giving me, Michael? After years of planning, we're finally doing it, man. It's going to be great. You're mental. Adam, I know you did a lot of work setting up all of these guests and you're super excited as usual, but I think we should have it discussed this a little bit beforehand because this is a Wizard Magazine podcast. We are just talking about the Wizard JLA special, uh, not the Snyder Cut. Well... I mean, that does make more sense, especially since nobody cares about the Snyder Cut anymore all these years later. But I still think the people are going to want to hear this discussion someday. So, geeks, let's get a hashtag release the Adam Cut trending and we'll add a new tier to Patreon if we get 200 billion retweets. I mean, in the meantime, though, I'm just going to drop Gal Gadot and Ben Affleck from the Zoom call here. So just uh... sorry, guys. Bye. All right. If if we really got that, we wouldn't be dropping them from the Zoom call. (laughs) Let's let's be real. <laughs> uh, but luckily, we have assembled two more appropriate guests for this discussion. That's right. Returning to the podcast from the Dollar Bin Bandits podcast, it's Joe and Mike. How you doing, guys? Hey, hey, hey. Very well. I'm still I... wearing Gal Gadot's, uh, you know, Wonder Woman costume. <laughs> Can't see it. But... It's classy. It's classy. It's pretty sexy. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, just to set the table here, I just, as we get into this discussion about the JLA specials, as Michael told us here, set us straight. It seems likely that a large percentage of people say they like the Justice League, but really mean Super Friends. Or for, you know, us 90s kids, the two Justice League animated series. So let's just kind of get into the ground floor. What was your introduction to the concept of the Justice League as a kid? Joe, you got it? For me, it was Super Friends. That was my introduction to it. And then it wasn't until my dad told me like, oh, that's the Justice League because they never referred to them as the Justice League or if they did, it was very- Well, and it wasn't the Galactic Guardians Justice League, that version or Challenge of the Super Friends. Can you remember? Meanwhile, back at the hall. That one. (laughs) It was the Hall of Justice. I was thinking maybe they said the League of Justice, but no, it was the Hall of Justice. (laughs) Not quite. So close. Yeah, it was Mr. Rush who was doing the uh, all those narrations. How about for you, Mike? Yeah, pretty much the same. I think it was Super Friends. I remember very clearly the Hall of Justice. I, I think I remember the locations probably better than most of the show and, and the characters. Uh, the Hall of Justice versus what was that thing coming that out of the That helmet thing, the Legion yeah. of Doom's headquarters. The Legion oh, of yeah. Doom's headquarters. Yeah, it didn't have a... It didn't have a name, did it, really? But Not to my knowledge, yeah. That was burned into my skull. And so I, you know, I was happy to discover that this was in a real team later on when I started collecting comic books, but not so happy to for have it revealed that the Legion of Doom wasn't really like a big thing. Like, I thought that was, that was it. I thought it was always JLA versus Legion of Doom and... It just was not that way. I feel like that's how Alex Ross felt too. That's why he did that Justice series all those years later, right? He's like, this is how it's supposed to be. Super friends, but cool. That's what the comics were supposed to be. (laughs) How about you, Michael? So I would say the super friends, but also the superpowers action figures, because in in a way you kind of built your own Justice League out of those action figures. And, you know, if you were you know, really nerdy and didn't know the difference. You kind of did your own sort of amalgam universe where you had like the Secret Wars figures and the Superpowers figures playing together. And that was your 
Justice League, essentially, because I didn't even know what the Avengers were till mm-hmm. years later either. Yeah. So it was sort of like, ooh, Batman and Superman and work work with Spider-Man. That makes sense to me as a kid, you know? <laughs> yeah, the other just tick off of that that was, for me, was the Burger King superpowers cups. Like, when I saw, like, oh, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman are a team, and they fight this blue guy, because I didn't know who Darkseid was yet. You know, right. This guy, this rock fella. <laughs> and so, yeah, so it was one of those things where it just kind of introduced the idea that they could work together that was definitely all in the mix for kids of that era i'm sure they were there but i don't know how many of us were finding justice league comics like on a spinner rack at the drugstore or you know at the supermarket or whatever like it wasn't like a super popular title like when when you're like five years old you know how to read batman you know how to read superman you know how to read but that like those names catch your eye because oh super i i know that i know that symbol i know that name but you you weren't going further down the road to look at Justice League or, you know, whatever else was coming out at that time. That's how I always looked at it. I was like, oh, there's a crossover where it's the two of them together. Then, you know, you just buy both, whatever kind of thing. Yeah, well, it obviously, like most of us have gone into the history we've delved over time as we found out it was a concept and this issue itself does focus on this 30 plus year history of the justice league up to the point that this issue was published and even though a lot of it had actually been retconned by dc at this point with crisis on infinite earth then zero hour and all this stuff just kind of well here's the new justice league thing so i'm curious for you guys as you got into looking back whether it was 60s 70s 80s you know whatever is there a bit of of Justice League lore or trivia, something you know about that prehistory to what we're going to be talking about primarily tonight that stands out as interesting or as wacky. <laughs> oh man, I can't think of anything particular that jumps off, you know, that really sticks out. I mean, I going through this issue was just absolute just joy because it covers like all these periods that were like in my prime of comic book collecting. I mean, I still collect now, but like I was so into like all these issues and versions and stuff like that. I mean, the one thing that just stuck out to me was Guy Gardner getting punched in the face by Batman. (laughs) I mean, I I remember not too long ago making it a point to find that issue and own it again because it was it was just so much fun. You know what sticks out in my mind? There's a Justice League cover where they're fighting Starro. Yes. That's like the first real like memory I have of a Justice League cover was that like Starro battle. Is it the all original kind of... like Yeah, Justice like the, League the, the originally the original yeah. one like that cover. Yeah, that that one's just burned in my brain. It's just like seeing this weird starfish creature and all the heroes kind of flying around and fight. like that sticks in my mind as like the mm-hmm. first comic image of the Justice League that I could think of that I remember. Well, and I think it's interesting to note that Superman wasn't even a part of the team at that time. It's like Superman is over here and here's all the people that do need to get together in order to beat such a menace of this scale, you know? Right. You guys just took my two factoids that I was going to introduce. <laughs> <laughs> the Starro cover and the fact that Superman was not a part of the original Justice League, which is quite ridiculous. It's I mean, ridiculous. how do you put together a superhero team at DC and don't start with Superman? I mean, I guess, I guess the, they were thinking about it logically that, you know, Superman could basically take on any right. threat. In theory, by he himself. doesn't need anybody. You know, yeah, like, right, what a Superman, right. re- like, the only reason why he's there is because he's like the moral compass sort of thing. But like, in theory, he wouldn't need anybody to help him in, in actuality, I think. Well, right. plus um, he's already part of a team. He's part of the world's finest, you know? They wear their WF t-shirts and they're like, <laughs> yeah, world's finest <laughs> to the rescue. Sure. Yeah, just like, you know, Batman, he works alone, but he has the biggest family biggest of family any of hero. Any hero. <laughs> That's right. It's, you know. and, and they constantly make jokes of that. And yeah. there's so many like bifold covers now that have all of the bat family right. on it and even characters like spoiler now have a bat symbol on their chest it's like right. it's insane. And, and you know villains of his are now part of the team like you know yes harley quinn harley quinn i think poison ivy too maybe a part and of there's it. also a a new batman thing we're getting off topic and i can see adam is twitching a little bit sorry but but like there's even a, a deadly duo comic now of batman and the joker as a team fighting yes. bad guys yeah <laughs> like, what why? I don't, I don't even know if I don't know if that counts as like continuity wise, but I, I've I've seen it. I haven't read it. But. 
I don't know. Well, but what this is ju- continuity these days? No such thing. It all matters, guys. It all matters. <laughs> it's all, if it's all has relevant. come out of Dark Crisis, it all ma- matters. I feel <laughs> like it's true. just as much as entertainment in general is segmented. It's just like, here's this little click over here that really likes this, you know, YouTuber, whatever. But then there's also in comics, it's like whatever little group likes this version of Batman, you get your universe. And then the other people yeah. over here who only recognize this version, you know, and so it's like, that's just how it works now. And you play to that audience and, and you'll sell a certain amount of issues and yeah. every issue is a crisis now every single issue is some sort of crisis <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous dude, don't get me started about every it. month is a new crisis going on but yeah. this issue is a special jla issue that was released in march of 1997 as a response to the overwhelmingly positive reaction to grant morrison and howard porter's relaunching of justice league of america as jla by reuniting the big guns of the dc universe as a team this issue came packed with a justice league membership card which many people have told us they kept in their wallets for years. Surprisingly, at this time, the special publication was released. Only first four issues of JLA had been published, though this series would run with the original creative team for 40 plus issues. I didn't realize Grant Morrison was on this for 40 plus issues. I didn't he took know a that. few breaks, let Mark Wade handle it. For, I thought so. Know, yeah. Because I, but... I remember, I know there's Mark Wade issues in there somewhere. On getting the gig, Morrison explains in his opening interview. I wrote DC and said that I wanted to do things like Superman, Teen Titans, and the Justice League. And the Justice League just happened to be the one that they wanted to do. Despite the efforts that had been made on the old book, it wasn't working. Nobody was interested in these sub-rate DC characters. People just weren't picking it up. It seemed so absolutely obvious to me that if you were going to do a book called The Justice League, it has to be the best and biggest characters in the DC universe. Morrison got his wish, and for his version of the JLA, the roster included Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Martian Manhunter, Wally West Flash, Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern as the core members. Many more would come and go, which we will be discussing shortly. In your reading of JLA, what is it about Morrison's writing on this series that was so appealing to you guys? I mean, I'll start out because this is not something I read back in the day. I remember it coming out. I remember Wizard talking about it all the time. But this is not a series that I ever visited until starting this podcast, even though everybody's like, it's so great. It's so great. And the thing that stands out to me the most is just the ingenuity. You know, he doesn't rely on continuity and history so much. He's not like, oh, I'm going to bring this back and bring this back. Although he's very obviously aware of the history of these characters. But But like the way that he just tweaks little things and he's just like, hey, you know, it always should have been done this way. Like there's this whole thing where instead of wearing earpieces, you know, with microphones and, you know, they they communicate with each other that way, they're like, well, Martian Manhunter is telepathic. So he just connects us all telepathically and we can talk in our minds and we're not giving anything away. I'm like, genius. Like that is so cool. Or even so many things have copied that since then, though. Like (laughs) it's a a trope now. Yeah. (laughs) Also, like there's this fight in a later issue where now that Superman is the energy blue version of Superman he you know can actually be messed with in a totally different way it's not just kryptonite right so like one of the bad guys actually turns him into FM radio waves and then shoots him out into space like again just it's it's so creative it's so fun and you don't see it coming so to me it's very Grant Morrison yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. He thinks about these little details. He's just like, this could happen, right? Because old comics, I feel like, focused so much on the science. If you go back and read stuff from the 60s and 70s, they're always referencing the science of why this works. And I feel like over time, that kind of got lost. So that stood out to me in a big way. But what about you guys? Um, I love the fact that the Justice League really got their butts handed to them. I mean, they really, in his in the Grant Morrison run, Prometheus was introduced. Yes, and I think so, yeah. Prometheus was like the evil Batman. So he was in that he thought of everything. And, you know, everyone had a counterpart to one another. And there were contingencies for every hero. So everyone got their, you know, comeuppance, if you will, and uh, really posed a major challenge for the uh, for the JLA. So I really enjoyed that 
It was a Tower of Babel. I was just, I literally, didn't Tower of Babel come out of this run? Yeah, it pretty, did, it but it's Mark Wade. Mark Wade right, wrote it, that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it, but it is, but it does come out of this JLA. It yeah. comes yeah. in that whole thing. And the yeah. artwork didn't really change too much. And I found it like, that's one of the things that stood out to me about this run is that the art was so consistent. Uh, yeah, very consistent. And it had a very, at least to me at the time, a very clean look to it. You know, what also sticks out to me on this run is the covers, like the, the yeah. cover art for a lot of these issues is, is very iconic. And it's like, it's 90s, but it's sort of like almost a step ahead of where things were eventually going to cover wise, you know, yeah, that really sticks out in my mind too. Now, Mike, I know you said when we were getting ready for this uh, episode that you had not read a lot of this Morrison run. So did you get a chance to dig in at all and take a look? I did a little flipping through. Honestly, I didn't have time to really dig in deep. From what I read and from what I read about the, the series, what I liked about it was not only bringing back you know, the core team of what I consider the Justice League. I mean, these are the, was it seven or eight <laughs> characters that I want to see on the Justice League? I mean, just straight out, those are the ones that I'd like to see. I mean, you can, you know, parse Green Lantern and, and Flash, you know, which people are behind the mask, but those characters are on there. And also what stuck out to me uh, on this run is the scale, right? I mean, it's really amped up. Uh, Morrison really takes it seriously that these are humongous, larger-than-life characters. They have a new headquarters on the freaking moon. <laughs> Is this the um, first time? That, I mean, they've always had like some sort of. They had a satellite, it, right, yeah, right. But was this right. the first time that it was ever on the moon? Like, I know they've had the Watchtower, I but so. yeah. The Watchtower was on the moon. Yeah. yeah, I guess maybe they had the satellite, which they also called the Watchtower. Yeah, and then they're splitting anyway. the rent with the Watu. They're just like, hey, right. get over here. All right. Exactly. Hey, buddy. Like a little peeping Tom over there. He's on the dark side of the moon. That's right, man. Ben. Oh. Now, speaking of which, though, Joe, you, you mentioned our artist here. So there is an article in here called In the Major League, which is an interview with the other half of this JLA creative team, Howard Porter. He talks about his road to getting this high profile gig. So he was 27 years old at this time, and he admits that he always wanted to draw comics and kind of forced his way into being mentored by a veteran DC inker named Frank McLaughlin, who then brought him along to dinners with the fellow comic book pros like a previous guest on Dollar Bin Bandits, Ron Garney, and uh, several others. And he eventually submitted samples through these new connections and the future JLA editor Ruben Diaz offered him a penciling gig on Dark Stars that he did a, a Cyber Rats story in Showcase 94 and his highest profile project at the one point was the ongoing series of the ray after the joe casada miniseries he did that which i totally blanked i was just like i love the ray i never connected howard porter to the ray but then he did underworld unleashed with mark wade and made that connection yes. and then the amalgam one shot jlx again i read it did not connect it hey howard porter's that guy so all this work with diaz got porter the gig drawing jla when morrison submitted his proposal for the series and at this point porter admits quote at least once a day i find myself actually stopping what i'm doing to realize that i'm drawing the jla and i can never believe it's me the most shocking revelation though for fans i would say this is a celebrated collaboration like we said went on for many years at this point morrison and porter had never even spoken to each other like it's this huge hit just right out the gate and they never officially even talked about it. it's just like here's the script do it okay he's doing great okay <laughs> i think that's bananas and I think Mike can back me up on this. How many times we hear that? That, you, you know, I, and we still to this day get this whole bullpen mentality that everyone's there, everyone's together. But it's more often than not, many times the artist and the writer just are not always in contact with one another. So if he's hitting it out of the park every time, you know, there's no reason to bother him. Let's keep doing what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, they really work through the editor oftentimes. You know, the editor is sort of the go-between. And uh, yeah, I find that pretty, pretty amazing. But you do as the uh, company tells you to do, I think. Yeah, just make it work. Make it work. And if you're a professional, you get it done. They had remote work figuring out long before we did. <laughs> That's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> 
Now, on our social media a few weeks ago, we just proposed to our social media followers a question. We're just putting a question out there. And we simply asked, was Howard Porter the right artist for JLA at this time? Now, the overwhelming response was yes, but some people took offense at that question being asked at all. Like, duh, of course, it was huge success. He's the best ever. But I have to ask specifically, do you guys enjoy Howard Porter's art on JLA? Do you imagine there could have been somebody better or is it the perfect fit? It had to be him. I loved it. I wouldn't change it. I mean, for me at the time, it was great. I was all about new and interesting art and stuff like that. And Grant Morrison was new to me and he wasn't too Grant Morrison-y, <laughs> you know, like he is now. So I was like, still like, all right, I, I can get with this. So yeah, I loved it. So my controversial answer is no. We're done. You know, this is going to get me in trouble if we ever have Howard Porter on, on the pod. But art is subjective and it just did not do it for me. I think it's a reason why it didn't pick up the book. For me, the, I don't, I can't describe what it was about it. Just some things, you know, kind of rub you wrong and some things rub you right. <laughs> like yeah, Brett Morrison you know, today for me. I tried to go to something, you know, a different version that I was like, okay, that's more my speed. And I, I landed on when they reintroduced the title with Brad Meltzer. And I think it was Ed Bennis who was doing the art for that uh, initial run. If I'm not. I'm uh, oh, the, the, the Meltzer run with the uh, identity crisis is some of the best art yeah. in all of Justice League ever. That That's amazing. And that's Rags Morales, right? Yeah, well, the interiors were Rags Morales. Yeah. I think the out, the interiors, the exteriors were Michael Turner, who obviously- Michael Turner, just, just awesome. Amazing. But I'm talking about, yeah, like the, the series that they started after that, which would have been, I don't know, I feel like uh, early 2000s, maybe. And I think it was Ed Bennis. But I may be off on that. But anyway, that for whatever reason, again, sort of was was kind of more my speed. So yeah, I'll take the hits, everybody. <laughs> well, I'll buffer those hits for you. I'll be a human shield because I'm in the same boat. Howard Porter draws a pretty awesome Batman. I like his Batman, but the rest of the characters, especially those who have flesh that is exposed, like Batman, he even mentions in this issue, he's like, I keep him in the shadows. He's a silhouette and you could get away with a lot. Todd McFarlane knows this well with that cape, right? You can hide a lot of anatomy and all those things. But Howard Porter's, I just his characters, like Morrison said, I wanted to make this widescreen. I wanted to make it like a blockbuster film. And these character designs, like not the costumes, because those already existed, but just the way that they're constructed looks like a Hollywood movie in the worst way. It looks like Batman and Robin costumes. And the characters themselves, like Superman, when he's not blue Superman, looks to me like the John Bog of Superman, which I also dislike. He looks ridiculous. He looks like a Mad Magazine parody of Superman. And, and Porter does the same thing with this. He's got this giant jaw and his muscles are always in types of inflatedness. Like So like there, there's just a lot of stuff going on there that for me like makes it I just don't, I don't enjoy it because everybody looks chiseled out of plastic, like those old uh, Duracell commercials. You remember with those weird, the weird family, you know, it's like, yes. it's all of that. And so like, every time I read it, like his layouts are fantastic, but his figure work again, I wish he'd just done a Batman run because I think he would have done a great job with Batman, but everybody else, I think he misses the mark. So sorry, come at me. I, I laid it down more clearly than Mike here that uh, all right, yeah. I, I see what a I Adam don't Adam and like. I will, uh, we'll go into our bunkers and uh, get ready for the social media <laughs> He's onslaught. obviously talented. People like to work with him. So I'm just saying in this era, maybe just not for me. Well, I agree with your, your Bogdanov uh, comment too, because yeah. that always rubbed me the wrong. He was like, a, oh, they're so long, but it's just it's like, so wow. Weird. Yeah. Well, Joe, why don't you take us into this next piece? Having access to Morrison, Wizard couldn't help but speculate with the writer about who would win in an all-out brawl between the JLA members in Last Leaguer Standing. In the first match, Martian Manhunter wipes the floor with the inexperienced Kyle Rayner after telepathically scrambling his thoughts so he can't focus even to create any constructs with the powering. In match two, the Flash beats John Jones with fire because everyone always beats him with fire. <laughs> 
In match three, Wonder Woman ties Aquaman up with his own harpoon handline and beats him into submission. Match four pits Superman against the Flash with the new blue incarnation of the Man of Steel winning because he can now sap Wally's kinetic energy away from him, but Superman's containment suit is damaged in the tussle. Match five is Wonder Woman versus Superman, but Superman wins due to raw strength and sheer maneuverability and speed. Match six is the main event with Batman versus Superman, Brawl of Justice, as the Dark Knight finally emerges from the shadows, where, according to Morrison, Batman's overloading Superman with different forms of energy, heat, microwaves, the Flash's kinetic energy, and he's trying to absorb it all. But the suit rips even more. It can't contain him anymore. Batman wins. It's interesting to note that a lot of these scenarios of defeating the Justice League heroes are used in some form as part of later storylines. Do you guys agree with these results or do you have a different outcome you feel is more likely? Hmm, it is interesting, right? Uh, it, actually, it's kind of fascinating to me that Morrison, yeah, he probably didn't want to do this. He's like, I got to write for like three and a half more years, guys. Like, don't, don't make me give it away right now what I would do. But I think uh, the most interesting part of all this is, again, you know, I was bringing up the, you know, the, the blue energy-based Superman. He's so vulnerable now. And Morrison recognizes that, right? Like this whole thing is building, you know, bit by bit. You know, he's going he's gonna to have his containment suit ripped and and then what can he do? He can't hold it together anymore when he's overloaded. Like that makes sense to me. But I guess the idea that Batman like just literally avoids the whole fight the whole time is kind of cheap. You know, <laughs> like everybody else is fighting and he's like, I'm just over here. <laughs> Scheming. Yeah. I would, I would have loved to have known what Morrison thought of the whole blue Superman thing because you know he starts when superman is regular superman yeah and then th like you know part way through the whole series he his powers change and i'm sure they're like well by the way here's this and he's <laughs> i'm sure he's just like well, what the hell am i gonna do with that now because let's face it that was a terrible period of time in superman but it you know, opens like, there the some door cool parts but yeah for a lot of creativity it does. And it poses some challenges for Superman, which I always say is, you know, the only way that you can really beat him. But like, it's just, I don't know, it, you know, it's like night and day. It's not what he signed up for. I'm sure. Right. Yeah. Right. And he's like, oh, bloody hell, I got to do this. And, you know, whatever Scottish stuff he says. Um, <laughs> but um, it's Batman. You know, that's what he does. He calculates, you know, he has contingencies for everyone. I think that this is probably the beginning of that trope, which has now, I think, been kind of played out where Batman sort of like, yeah, an and, and it comes everything. to a head and, you know, Tower of Babel, of course, yes. where he has all the files and he knows how to defeat everybody. He knows their weaknesses. And so, you know, Batman just chilling out, watching everybody have a slugfest. And then he's like, oh, let me just dial up, you know, the file on you and I will defeat you with my cunning wife. <laughs> and um so yeah but i think this was really with a depowered or alternately powered superman this was a time for martian manhunter i mean we know he's perennially undervalued underestimated and you know he could probably take everybody down and you know they make a lot about the fire i mean there are ways of getting around the fire okay you would think you, you get would around fire, especially that, if you're yeah. in space yeah, well, they're not going to be fire. Green Lantern got around the yellow, so they got to figure a way around the, the fire. <laughs> right? Exactly. Even well, Superman yeah. had a lead suit in that stupid spaceship with arms. You know, I remember exactly. that. Yeah, remember wear that. more clothes, John. Come on. That's, yeah, right. <laughs> we're just take it to space. Yeah, yeah. oxygen <laughs> in space. So what, what are you going to do with fire? Carry uh, a fire extinguisher, man. Exactly. I mean, oh, whatever. So Batman that, has that, that was my clothes. that was my thing. I mean, Martian Manhunter needs to get his due. Plus, he's a big Oreo fan, and I'm a big Oreo fan. And, you know. <laughs> Ditto. There you go. Yeah, Sign man. Sign me up. Uh, you know, speaking of which, um, I do have one more thought here from Porter because he he said something that stood out to me. The idea that they have to work together, because in this, it's all the team fighting against each other. But if they had to work together and Porter says this, which really stood out to me, he's like, most of the time I'm trying to figure out a way for Green Lantern to create something to help Aquaman fly. It's so hard to come up with something new every time. So just this idea that everybody else on the team can fly, but Aquaman cannot. He doesn't have little wing things like Namor where he can fly, but then work that into the design. So I think it's so funny that he always has to, he's like, he says something about it, like he either has to be holding on to Wonder Woman's lasso or he has to get carried by Green Lantern. So it's unfortunate. He's, he's it the guy. It's funny that nobody's come up with a way to make that happen. I mean, 
if you already thought about Martian Manhunter and the telepathy instead of, you know, comm units, how could you not? Isn't that why they they made the uh, the Javelin, the the Justice League jet, so they can actually go as a group, which is Superman (laughs) in a friggin jet. This isn't really for you, Aquaman. We all enjoy it. Yeah, no, no, no. This is for everybody. This is for we can all go together. I feel like with all the years of being with Mera, she would have taught him how to use water, like water kinesis to like help him kind of hydroplane over the top of it or something like that. Like she would have figured out some way to teach him how to do that. I'm thinking like ice. Talk to whales for God's sakes. Yeah, there's moisture in the air. Right, Right. humidity. So so yeah, so he should be able to slide on the the water particles in the air. (laughs) Just don't go near desert. Just call us up, DC. We got got this. We we got it all figured out. (laughs) James Gunn, let's do it. Come on. Breaking news, geeks! Manscaped now sells beard products! That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look. Now you can finally use Manscaped products that make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and use the code WIZARDS20 for 20% off and free shipping. Now, here's the thing, Michael. Alan Moore certainly carved out a look for himself when it came to facial hair. But here's the thing, geeks. You aren't a genius comic book writer who might also be a wizard. So it's time to tame your mane. No one likes a weird beard. So say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with Manscaped's Pro Beard Kit. Manscaped sent us both their Beard Hedger Pro Kit. And I used it this morning. I tried out the Beard Conditioner the beard shampoo and I've been using a lot of different products for shading my beard and shaving my head and so on and so forth. This stuff, not only did it smell really good, it felt like my skin felt rejuvenated a little. And I used the beard hedger and I barely knew that it was touching my face. It was so smooth. It was fantastic though. I really liked it. The design is so unique that it felt really good in my hand too. And I've used a ton of different buzzers. This one, unbelievable. It has a nice edger for when you're doing like under your mustache area or you're like under your lip or around your ears and such. I really liked it. Very cool stuff. Well, Michael, here's the thing, because when I was a kid, I thought shaving was going to be awesome. I'd watch my dad and think, oh, it's going to be cool to have whiskers to shave, you know? <laughs> but now as an adult, shaving is like my least favorite thing. I put it off for so long. You know, it is far from a luxurious experience. But with the Manscaped Beard Hedger Pro Kit, I have an excuse to stop shaving now and get my beard game going strong. <laughs> if you grow a beard, I'll die. I'll love it. <laughs> Well, it's all about the gear, Michael, like you said. So tell them a little bit more about the tools that are for more than just your family jewels. So it starts with the beard hedger, which, I, like I said, is a juggernaut that fixes faces. It's really wild. First off, you get the cordless trimmer with a rotating wheel that gives you 20 haircut lengths all in one guard. It's this half sizes and everything. So no more messy drawers full of all this extra add-ons. It literally is one unit with one head to put on. And I really was impressed by that. And here's the thing. It's waterproof. So you can actually shave in the shower. You avoid. I did. I did. I used it in the shower. It worked fine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also got a titanium coated T-blade. It's tough on hair, but smooth on your face. Like Michael was saying, it's got single stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. And the pro kit doesn't end there though, because they've created four dermatologist tested formulations for your post-trib care. Michael, tell them a little bit more about it. So first, like I said, was this beard shampoo and conditioner, right? Funny enough, I was thinking of I'm using this, right? I've been shaving my head or had short hair for so long. I haven't used conditioner on my head. It's got to be 15 years. And using it on my beard felt funny, but it really felt good. Like it kind of like softened the, the hairs to make it easier to cut and everything. I was really impressed by it. You need to remember all of your hair is different. Beard hair is more coarse and easier to damage than your hair on your head or lack thereof on my head. That's why this shampoo conditioner is specially designed to moisturize, reduce ingrown hairs, which is a big issue that I have, and replace natural oils and promote beard health. Also, the kit has what is called man's 
Manscaped's beard oil. No one wants a guy whose beard is like brittle and dry, so the oil relieves the dryness on both the beard and the skin beneath, while adding a little shiver and shine, making you look extra fine. Uh, you have the beard balm. It's this pomade that shapes and styles and moisturizes and tames for a sculpted look. It's sure to make Thunderstrike Eric Masterson jealous, but that's not hard. His beard, not so impressive. The Beard Pro Kit also comes with three free gifts a beard brush, a beard comb, and scissors. Honestly, like, they thought of everything. It's all in this kit, so whether it's for you or the bearded person in your life, we want you to go get your 20% off and free shipping with the code WIZARDS20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code WIZARDS20. It's the Manscaped Beard Hedger. One stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. And hey, now back to the show. All right, well, Mike, take us into the next piece here. Sure. So this issue also gives attention to Morrison's plan to recruit new blood for the team, eventually resulting in 12 permanent members of the JLA. The writer states, quote, basically, it's modeled after the Knights of the Roundtable, unquote. Providing a tease to one eventual Justice League member, he says, quote, the 12th guy who I'm really pleased with is a really unexpected choice. He's going to revise JLA technology and everything. He's never been in the league before, unquote. But until that revelation is made, there are several newer heroes being considered for recruitment, and they are Connor Hawk, Green Arrow, Aztec, Plastic Man, Zoriel, and Captain Marvel. Some others that didn't make the cut were Steel, Tomorrow Woman, Artemis, and eventually Hippolyta, who takes over the role of Wonder Woman from Diana briefly. Who among these would be your choice for permanent placement in the JLA? everybody's like yeah not many of this yeah (laughs) aztec for sure no captain marvel i mean shazam yeah right like yeah i mean are you saying that just for powerhouse or do you think he brings something else to the team well there's a he's he's like superman too you know he's like (laughs) as in superman the sequel he's got Um, the mind of a child but honestly he's really the only one on the team that if, if Superman ever went rogue, he could defeat him because he's magic and that's a vulnerability right. of Superman's. You know, right. like it would be that's that that's why Kingdom Come works because he uses the the Shazam power to defeat Superman essentially. Yeah, if anybody that had to say it would have to be Captain Marvel. Wasn't Huntress on the team for, for a while too? Like she keeps showing up in the stories. Yeah. Because yeah, like she's, she's got an there. action figure from the line that I have. So yeah. it's like I you know, again, it's it's one of those things where it's hard to have these like street level heroes. It, on a team that is so meant for grandiose, big, large, overarching things and not like thugs on the street kind of thing. Like, yeah, what's, what's you know, when I think about this is like the Justice League Unlimited episode shows, right? That's what I was Where thinking. they'd have like, yes. you know, Supergirl with the question. And I'm like, okay, question's a great character, but what is he going to do that Supergirl couldn't do? Like, how do they make that interesting where the animated show figures that out and Mm -hmm. and kind of weaves that together in a cool narrative? In this particular arc, especially with Grant Morrison being Grant Morrison-y, it's too big for some of these smaller, low-level characters, I think. Well, like Connor Hawk, he even says that specifically. He's like, I really don't belong here in space, like trying to help you guys. But at the same time, he's kind of like, he brings humanity to this team of gods. He kind of thinks differently. And I feel like he can sneak around and go undetected because the bad guys are all focusing on the, the super powerful members of the team. And here he is figuring other stuff out behind the scenes. I think there is value in that, like just kind of this character who is maybe disregarded, you know, even more than Aquaman, if you can believe it. <laughs> but they yeah, wanted and- Connor Hawk to work so badly, though. Like the character yeah. doesn't, of the descendant characters, like he doesn't hang on there. And they tried so hard to make him work oh, yeah. a million times. He was so bad that they had to go back into heaven to pull out Green Arrow. (laughs) Go back and just, you know, Kevin Smith was like, no, 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 we're going to go get him. Come on. Well, speaking of heaven, so Zoriel. This character of this winged angel who accepted mortality or whatever. Like, this is a character that is specifically in this issue because I'd never heard of him before. And I'm looking at it. Morrison says, 
we want to make him the new Hawkman, but DC specifically told us we cannot have a book titled Hawkman right now because everybody is so confused by the continuity of that character, they do not want to read it. And so Morrison's like, we're going to build him up into a great character and then he can take over the mantle and be the new Hawkman, which I don't believe happens, am I right? No, they just gave him different guy wings, that's all. <laughs> I, like the I like the character though, only because I find stories kind of based or you know when they pull elements from religion different pantheons and they kind of weave it into to fiction or take one fiction if you want to call it like that you know i just found it interesting and you know he's somewhat based in these characters from the bible and old testament and hey now he's a superhero <laughs> His characterization doesn't work for me because he's just like this hip dude. He sounds like Wally West when yeah. he talks. Like he's just yeah. like, hey, what's going on over here? Yeah. And then it turns out that he's supposed to protect this woman, but he is also in love with her because yeah. he's been her guardian angel watching her from afar. Like that's creepy, dude. Yeah, creepy. And there's ever no mention <laughs> of her like later on, I don't think. Yeah. Like, just early on. So let's establish why he's here because he's, you know, spying on this girl. And then, okay, now that's it. Yeah, and Aztec is just nepotism. It's like, oh, that's my son. I created Aztec. And so I'm going to put him in the Justice League now. Like, that's total Morrison just using his power. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys, you got to admit, though, Plastic Man, this team needed a sense of humor. He adds so much to the stories when he finally joins. Like, there, there's a lot going on there. We're just like, this guy's maybe annoying, but he's pretty hilarious. <laughs> he, absolutely. Of the stretchy goofball characters in DC, he is the cooler of the two. Elongated Man is, is less so. <laughs> yes. He's like, so you... I think there was, I don't know if it was the cartoon or in one of the issues, may have been both, where they have a little, like a discussion, like, what do you do? He goes, no, I just stretch. Like, you don't turn into anything? He goes, no, I just stretch. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was the animated like, series. Yes. It was. Okay. All right. <laughs> like oh that's all you do oh cool that's all you do. All right. I mean, oh, wow. it, it does feel like at some point kind of like the x-men kind of like the avengers like everybody cycles in and out of the justice league at some point right you get your chance to uh <laughs> to do something with the justice league even if you're i mean i don't even know if they have auxiliary members or how they determine that or in reserve but they, they have they, to at some point they did they did at times i remember them like all of them are, are, you know, wiped out or hurt. Okay, let's go back to the auxiliary list. You know, when in doubt, break glass and pull out. Okay, who's who do we have? Okay, uh, that guy. Uh, Bawana Beast. Sorry, oh, crap. All right. Um, but that, I Which think that Robin was... is still alive right now. We'll call him. Yeah. They, I mean, that's what made, I think, the animated series so good is that they pulled all these characters like Bawana Beast out of the blue. Out of and nowhere, yeah. And it was like, it was so compelling and it was cool. And I think, I think that's how they left off. Like Superman is talking to a room full of all the heroes. Everyone. Yeah. And they're like, we are the Justice League and it's up to us to do this job. And I was like, oh, sweet. My introduction to the Justice League though, in the comics was around the time of Doomsday and the death of Superman. Yeah. yeah. And that was just lame. <laughs> you can't you can have just what you would consider auxiliary members. I mean, it was, as I said, I think I just exclaimed Blood Rain, which is a character. <laughs> I don't know if you any of you remember, which was kind of a spawn-ish Superman ripoff. Was it Blood There's Wind? A... I think. Oh, Blood Wind. Blood Wind. Wind. It's a video game, right? Oh, okay. There's a lot blood, of blood, blood characters in the 90s. Right, right. Many of them yeah. created by Rob Liefeld, so it's hard to keep track. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they were trying it's to like match up the two, yeah. the two words, one of which is blood. <laughs> Blood, but yeah, like um, fire and ice. fire, yeah. and you know, well, and it's like a bad fart. Bloodwind ended up being Martian Manhunter, yeah, did it? Did yes, he? a strange okay. reveal, yeah, it, yeah. Well, I remember anyway, reading about that later on. I'm like, wow, that didn't, uh, that's not cool. If that's your first introduction to the Justice League, I mean, that that is, yeah, something's wrong. You're not gonna have so, a lot of respect for him, that exactly. is for sure. I'm all for having you know the core members and, and having the stories and then bringing in some of the other folks, but as long as you don't lose focus on you know the, the people that you want to see. Well, and so let's get into this because you know ultimately it comes down to when does the world 
need a super team? When do you need the most powerful characters in this universe to come together? And so Legion of Doom is a profile on some of the big bads that the JLA would battle and face over the years. To me, though, it's kind of like, okay, the Hyper Clan was this first arc of this JLA series, right? They're secretly Martians and they pretend to be superheroes and we're saving the world the way the Justice League can't and all that. You find out their evil plan. So it's like, okay, you know, they, they have the whole world on their side. So maybe Justice League has to battle in a different way. But like evil scientists, T.O. Morrow and Professor Evo, and then like this other leader of an battling angelic faction, Asmodel, and The Key. Like these are names that don't belong on the marquee, but Morrison does his best to make them of interest, to make them feel like the threat. You know, and then you get people like the Crime Syndicate. Okay, the Justice League for villains. Okay, got mm-hmm. it. Or Dark Side every time, but you can't have Dark Side <laughs> in every issue, like he was on the Galactic Guardians cartoon series. So let me ask you guys this: How do you feel overall about the effectiveness of super teams in general? Because how often in the individual titles do these heroes face off against the same single villain and they manage to defeat him on their own or at least fend him off for some time? And But now they need all their friends when they're all... T- it's like, it seems like they're getting in each other's way is how I feel when they're together. Like, they're making it more complicated. But what is your thought about a super team? I was going to say that it's really where the suspension of disbelief comes in. (laughs) You're you're really just kind of like, this is so cool that I'm okay with the logic being really faulty right now as to why they need to be together. And I think really a good uh, superhero or, or team comic or even a team movie or whatever is really about the interpersonal relationships between the team it's not so much about the threat necessarily yeah what the villain is exactly yeah exactly and that's what made x-men so effective as a team comic um when you know claremont started developing them and then into the jim lee area it's it was just really like you wanted to see these characters interact and yeah they had some cooler villains for sure but it was really more like you know, what's going on with Gambit and Rogue? What's going on with, um, you know, Wolverine and Jubilee? And just, you could take all of these combinations and some were romantic, some were mentorship, some were what have you, adversarial. Creepy. And, and it was <laughs> creepy. Um, and, and Watu's still watching. I mean, nobody's really, you know, speaking about Watu up there, still watching all of this play out. And um, that's what, you know, it was the sort of soap opera aspect of it. And I think that can still be the case with even the JLA with as superpowered as they are. So that's my two cents on that. The, the one thing that I do like about this era of the justice league is it generally speaking the universe doesn't revolve around batman whereas nowadays in dc it's a batman centric world where like you know listen i love scott snyder he lives 20 minutes from my house i've met him a million times but like we've had so many like metal and death metal and this and that it's all like you know, all the dark multiverse things are all versions of Batman. And I'm like, I'm sick of it. I don't care about the Batman who laughs and all that stuff. I don't need to have that kind of stuff. I like the team and this larger than life kind of villain, like a dark side or the anti-monitor or whatever else. Like you said, like Prometheus and stuff like that. The stuff that's like a bigger threat for them or even like, what's that other one? that The ro- the Android one. Uh, not uh, Is it Amazo? Amazo. Yeah. You know, yeah. like th- those are things that I really like about when the team comes together and it's bigger than just them kind of thing. Yeah, well, the thing they keep like alluding to when they talk about the history of the team is like Despero. Despero, he's their greatest villain. This pink <laughs> savage dragon looking guy. And I'm just like, I don't understand like right. who is Despero and why did he beat them so many times? He just looks like, like Doomsday before Doomsday in a lot of ways like maybe he's a little more calculating maybe he's more bane-esque but the descriptions where he pummels them he sneaks up and or he kills this person he's like what okay <laughs> i mean i guess despero is the guy but he looks ridiculous um the the thing that to your point mike that uh, stands out to me that makes a big difference though is with x-men They all lived together. They were created to be a team in a book together. And JLA is so, you have to bring in all these elements and you have to deal with the continuity. That's what I find. Like we're talking about blue Superman. Okay. Now you got to deal with this or like this, like one or two issue run where 
Diana was missing, so Hippolyta is now Wonder Woman. I was like, Hippolyta, oh, her skirt's longer. So oh, it's, she's in she the JLA like, again today. Like oh, nowadays, really? <laughs> she's, she's oh yeah, she's back in it. Yep, she's yeah. in it for for the last couple months. Yeah, it's, so you got to deal with those things and work them in all the time. And so I think like that can distract sometimes. To your point, though, uh, you know, you guys are just saying it is a huge like draw to see all these characters together. But if the interpersonal relationships aren't working, ultimately it falls flat. And I think that. They, they did do a great job in making them, you know, relatable. Like Wonder Woman and Aquaman bond. And she kind of pulls him out of, I'm king of the sea. I don't need you people. And then he's like, you know, I kind of want to be on the team now. And then different things like that, where I, I think it's nice. Um, but the one thing I want to point out is I don't like God level threats. That bores me also because like every Marvel movie is that too, you know, They're all- like, yeah. end of the world yeah so i like like there's this character the key who i've never heard of before this villain the key but like in the issue he basically traps them all in it's kind of like for the man who has everything that alan yeah. moore story they get yeah. trapped in this universe where it's like what would their lives be in this scenario okay superman is green lantern now and batman is married to selena kyle but now tim drake is batman and bruce wade jr is robin like all that kind of stuff like it, that is more interesting to me where you have the character or like you get you guys said proteus these characters kind of breaking them down from within who can outsmart mm-hmm. them that is always much more exciting but you know you got you got to balance it but I think to me, like, I don't know if they all need to be together all the time you know, I, <laughs> for that. That was the point I was going to make. And, and this will never happen because there's way too much money to be made <laughs> is that they shouldn't have a monthly ongoing JLA series, because if the only read like like to everyone's point, actually, if they're coming together for, you know, God level threats and there's a God level threat every effing month, then <laughs> I don't want to read it anymore. You know, like there's a, like you said, there's a crisis every month. Crisis was cool because it happened once, you know, 30 years ago or more at this point. And it was awesome. And then even the second one, that was cool because that happened, you know, like decades later and it it played off of the last one, the last couple, not so much, but the last time that they were, I thought really effective and not in a crisis, but somehow it led to it was doomsday war. And it was the Jeff Johns. Yeah. that ended the 52 yes yeah so was- and it it was they got their asses hand to them there was they were challenged in every way they were spanked new characters were introduced and you know, they tweaked characters here and there which was really cool had the uh anti-jla uh what the hell the name is uh the uh, crime, crime syndicate crime syndicate wait i gotta ask so- were they fighting an army of doomsdays is that what this was? No, no, it, no. It was basically it was basically like so the new fifty-two book ended with it started with Dark Side coming in that brought okay. the team together, and of it course. ended with with Dark Side as the okay. big bad. But his daughter, who's half Amazonian, Amazonian, was like become a, a deep foil for Wonder Woman. And it was this whole thing, and it's where Jessica mm-hmm. Cruz becomes the new Green Lantern. And I actually mm-hmm. have that yeah. statue, which is amazing yeah, was... statue. And the imagery and the artwork is incredible okay. in that whole yeah. book. And that that's like if there were okay, maybe of her quarterly or you know there were a series based upon the event. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. That would make the JLA cool. Oh shit, they're all getting together now. You know, like they haven't been together in like two years. So now this is going to be cool as opposed to, well, I've been watching them get together every damn week for the past (laughs) year. I don't care. I I have a pitch. that's where they are now. So I'm going to bounce this by you guys and someone's going to steal this idea at some point and I'm going to get no money for it. But this is my theory that I've had for about three or four years now. I think I've told this to Adam once or twice, but there's so many characters in the DC universe they don't know what to do with, whether it's Green Arrow or Huntress or Supergirl and their books come and they die off after... 30 issues or so, and so on. My thought is this. You pick a team, right? A a, a team of writer, creator, artists, and stuff like that. And for three to four months, they choose two heroes, right? Let's say it's Green Arrow and Supergirl. They have a story together. Then they go away. Then the next three or four months, it's another pair. And then you do that for like two years. And then you have, let's say, eight to 12 characters that have been doing different things in these little three or four month stories that they interconnect those stories into a bigger overarching thing. And that's that next justice league, whatever that team is so that you get a little taste of all these characters. You don't see very often and they go away and you're not spending a gazillion dollars 
in the company running issues of Green Arrow that nobody buys, and yeah. then it gets killed anyway off it. So that's something I feel like would be a cool way to do it. Like, it just, okay, we see this character, they come, they go away for a little while, they come back, you know? Yeah. Like the Brave and the Bold. Yes. With brave, the JLA like, like, annual. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's like the Justice Society of America. It's such a great collection of characters they never know what to do with. Like, other mm-hmm. than the Jeff Johns run from 2008 or seven or whatever, it ha- they haven't been able to figure out how to work that group in. And now they're trying to bring them yeah. back again. And I bought the first issue and I haven't read it yet. It's, and I love They've, the JSA. Just, they don't know what to do with them after a while. And it's gotten too big. Yes. Like, okay. You have the multiverse. Well, the multiverse went away. Now it came back. It was 52. Now there's more than 52. Now there's the dark multiverse. All right. So th- there's the light multiverse and the dark multiverse. And then there's stuff <laughs> in between. And like, all right, guys, let's step back. Let's take a beat. Let's not even discuss multi, omni, big verse, mini verse. Let's take a beat. Let's just have a story that's good and not make it so grand and over the top. And like, where do you go from there? You you can't go anywhere because people are going to be numb like I am. You know what it is? We keep those of us who have read comics for as long as we have, we've seen so many of the same stories recycled and regurgitated a gazillion times at this point. I'm like, I've read basically this same story just 15 years ago or 20 years right. ago now. And I'm like, oh, God, come on, let's go. Let's be creative here. And it's just like Hollywood is the same thing. It's like, let's make a prequel of an ongoing thing and see what happens or reboot it and so on and yeah. so forth. So let me ask you guys this then, though, as we close out, why has the Justice League endured despite those things that happen and the ups and downs and the B-teamer periods and all those things, you know, where it's not quite where it needs to be? Why are we still excited about that? And what do we look forward to most, possibly in the future of a Justice League story, whether it is like, you know, a one-off, a miniseries, whatever it is, like, what do we think is the core basis of that idea that gets us excited i'll take this one for you like i said in the beginning as a kid we loved having our action figures in our hands of batman and superman fighting together punching something every time that those two come together and then you bring in the wonder woman and the aquaman and all those characters it brings us back to that time when we were four or five years old sitting on our bedroom floors having them punch the dark side action figure that's what brings us back every time that's what it is and in my opinion yeah, I would I would agree. And, and I am always, like I said, with Morrison's writing and, and many others who have who have come over the years, just the idea of the creativity that goes into it and how do you make them use their powers together? How do they plan and work together to solve the problem that's not just I punch hard and you also punch hard. That's what I'm saying. Shazam and Superman working together? You know, I don't know. Maybe he punches one of the lightning bolts and then, it, you know, whatever. He gets supercharged by the lightning bolt instead of getting hurt like he did in Kingdom Come, you know? So it's just like, <laughs> whatever it is, like the, just those ideas, like it feels like the, those possibilities are limitless. It just comes up to the next creative right writer and artist combo that can bring it to us and yeah so we're always just waiting it's okay i think it can happen this time and we hope the justice league these heroes coming together does give humanity hope in their universe but also for the those of us who are the fans who want a little something to entertain us and want to do a little fist bump be like yes you guys did it yeah all right i will co-sign that that was uh, <laughs> just getting all the you know the best superheroes together to see them together whether it's justice league or any other version of it is always great and you want to see how they're going to play off one another batman being you know curmudgeon and superman apparently just as curmudgeon lately but it's it, it's fun to see and the name I, is cool the, like the name is and cool. the name is not obvious right i mean you're thinking of a superhero team who would come up with the justice league they're bowling guys they're a bunch of like bowling exactly <laughs> <laughs> where are those exactly posts? but it sort of it sort of resonates so well with um, this this team of like overpowered characters. And it just gives you kind of a thrill to hear about the Justice League, right? I mean, you want to you know, know what, what, what they're doing. Why are they coming together again? What's, what's the new threat? In this conversation, we had brought up the death of Superman, Doomsday thing. And it's always bothered me that none of them come to help him fight Doomsday. 
Well, they were pretty beat up by that point, though. Yeah, like, Doomsday but decimated Doomsday them. got to them first. Yeah, but yeah. I just feel like I don't know. I feel, well, they, they, there are like so a... many other characters in the universe. You would think that he'd have like there would be a lineup of people like, hey, you got to go through me if that, you want to get to Superman. There yeah. had to be, you know, didn't even, happen. Even even Lobo would have come to help. I feel like in that case, I don't know. Hey, let's, I think let's it was call up Lobo Jeff at the Jones. funeral. Yeah. It was he. I like uh, the people, all the people that were at the funeral. And he's in the poster. Like, you have the poster still? <laughs> yeah, I still have it. It's hanging up on my wall. Oh, no kidding. It's I signed re- by oh. Dan Jurgens. That's the only reason why I'm hanging up. Oh, wow. I have yeah. that poster. Yeah. I, I, How many of the people have... at the funeral were part of the fight? <laughs> oh, a, there are a lot of people like towards the edge that I've never seen. Right. But like, I've never seen lower, again either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bloodwind is there. Oh, and where was the Ray? He was <laughs> at home washing his tights. Ray is there. The creeper is in this for yeah. some reason. The creeper is. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I mean, the creeper could have done something. You know, there's a whole bunch of uh, of other characters. Like Sandman is there. Really? Like the, Sandman, like JSA the JSA one? No, I'm talking about uh, like Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman's? Yeah. yeah. Really? really? Yep. That's that's weird. That is yeah. interesting. Mike and Joe, tell us where they can find Dollar Bin Bandits and what's com- upcoming for you guys, who you have lined up for interviews coming up in the future. Sure. Well, we are everywhere. We we seek to dominate in the same way that the Justice League uh, seeks to. Um, We're like a rash. You know, exactly. <laughs> right. We're actually on the moon. Um, most people don't know that. So we are a podcast primarily. where You can find us on... Um, uh, dollarbinbandits.buzzsprout.com, but also any podcast uh, format that you have in mind, Apple, Spotify, all those good things. We have a number of episodes that are on YouTube, not all of them, but uh, most of the big ones. So you can find this at just search for Dollar Bin Bandits there. We're all over social, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're kind of like sort of on Hive, if you guys have heard of that. There's some I've heard of Hive, people yes. there. Yeah, they had some issues uh, for a while, and now they're back, and not many people came back with them. But anyway, you can find us. Um, yeah, we do primarily comic creator interviews. Um, we have a number coming up. We like to keep them in our back pocket, exactly the names that are coming up, but there are some big ones. We also have, like, our oldest guest is, is coming up, a female artist who uh, Joe gets into a very intense conversation about wrestling with wow um and we have some uh really big figures uh from the silver age of marvel or rather maybe the bronze age of marvel that we've been pursuing for quite a long time so and our first honest to goodness movie star Uh aha All right, guys. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely recommend you guys uh, check out the Dollar Bin Bandits. You know, we don't go heavy on the creator, artist, writer interviews, and that is their bread and butter. They do great work with it over there. So definitely recommend you seek them out. Always entertaining, always laid back. It's a good time with the Dollar Bin Bandits. But uh, of course, you want to hang out with us too, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Come on over. So you can uh, find us on YouTube. You know, we're at Wizards Comics over there. We're on Twitter at Wizards Comics. On instagram at wizards underscore comics it's a wizards comics bonanza but also you want to get in on patreon guys because there is so much going on on patreon when it comes to getting the episodes early they heard this before the rest of you they got it the day after plus they got a full scan of this jla special to read along with the episode so they they are enjoying that and just the community that's over there you're helping support the podcast you're making some friends it's a good time uh michael where else can they find us what else should they plug into in the wizards universe so you can go to the t public store you can check out our merch on t public and get t-shirts and hoodies and whatever you can go to our website at uh, wizardscomics.com and check out some back episodes you can email us or hang out with us whatever comment and so on and so forth we love to chat with you and hear from you and we're working on a, a tiktok now we got some content that adam is scheming up and i'm designing some after effects little bumpers and stuff here that we're working on so we'll do some of the old tiktoks you know us 40 year old men on tiktok it's always good it's a good sign (laughs) but hey until tiktok and until next time keep your books bagged and boarded This has been
been a presentation of the Retro Network.